Podcast Network. The light shines brightest on our indie podcasts. Welcome, believers, skeptics, and paranormal thrill seekers to another episode of Through the Veil. I'm your host, JD, and I'm so glad you are all with me. Now, I want to take a minute to apologize to all of my listeners. There was no episode last week. We had Hurricane Ian in town, and since I live in the Bay Area in Florida, I lost power for five days, and my yard looked like a demilitarized zone. We spent days cleaning and recovering. I tried my hardest to have an episode out last week, but what I had to present was not up to my standards. I didn't want to just release anything for you guys. I wanted it to be quality. After all, you take your time out of your day to listen to me. And for that, I am grateful. And you deserve good material. So before we begin today's episode, let's hear from another podcaster on the Dark Cast Network. We'll be right back. California has the largest population in the United States and the site of some of the most famous true crime cases in history. But there's more than meets the eye to the crime in California. Join Sean, Jessica, and Charles on the California True Crime Podcast as they cover crime both infamous and overlooked from around our state while looking at the deeper history that goes beyond beaches and movie stars. Welcome back, my little spooklets. When we talk about cryptids and other beings that are rarely experienced, our immediate thoughts go to Bigfoot, the granddaddy of supernatural creatures. Reports go back hundreds of years and originate from all over the world. It has many names depending on what region of the world is associated with. Here in Florida, we have the skunk ape, Bigfoot to the north and Yeti in Arctic regions. Or you may think of the men in black who are reported as visiting people that have close encounters with extraterrestrial life. They show almost no signs of emotion and oddly look like a generic human. However, we aren't here today to talk about either of those creatures. Tell me, what do you know about the black-eyed children? Those of you that have heard about them probably don't need an explanation of these creatures. Those of you that have not heard of them, it will be my pleasure to flood your mind with information, stories, and theories that just may keep you up tonight or cause you to decide against handing out Halloween candy this year. Evil things come in many forms sometimes in the form of a flesh-eating forest monster, a possessed person or object. The perfect disguise, however, is that which relays feelings of trust and plays to our sense of decency and humanity, our willingness to be a do-gooder. This is all found 
in the form of a child. Most of us feel not only the desire to help children, but almost uh, an obligation of sort as elders in the society. We have experience, resources, and generally a good nature to afford a child in need. The scary part is that dark and twisted things know this, and to them, it is our number one weakness. Evil takes a precious visage of innocence to gain access to us, and it works most of the time. We see this in cases of demonic infestations of homes, where the demon will take the form of a small child to gain the family's trust and to get the family to invite it in deeper to get its roots into the family structure. Not long after, the family falls into chaos and the demon begins dismantling the family from the inside out. All because they trusted what they thought was a child. Black-eyed children are no different. They show up to play on our desire to be helpful and resourceful. They are rated really high on my freak out list. If you've listened to my show before, or you know me in person, you know that there are three things that terrify me. Spiders, creepy kids, and dolls. I'm writing this episode in the daytime on purpose. In this episode, we're going to look at where the legend started, possible theories as to what they are, and finally, a few stories of some experiences with the black-eyed children. I hope you're ready to dive in because I'm sure the hell not. The tabloids have the black-eyed children as originating sometime in the 1980s. However, the legend can be directly linked back to a reporter in Texas by the name of Brian Bethel. Bethel claimed to have had an experience with black-eyed children in Albaline, Texas. He also discovered, after sharing his experience, that another person had a very similar experience in Portland, Oregon. These documented experiences happened in 1996. It is also believed that when MSN's Weekly Strange featured reports and stories of the black-eyed children in 2013, it helped to spread the phenomena like wildfire on the internet globally. What do they look like, you might ask? Well, reports share the following similarities into the appearance. They always show up in pairs or more. Never have they been reported to show up alone. They are more pale than a usual Caucasian. And they all appear between the ages of 7 to 13. They are dressed very plain. The most notable features are, of course, the eyes. They are a lifeless black. The entire eye is covered, no whites to be seen. Their demeanor is extremely calm and undeterred. Basically, creepy kids that act like creepy dolls. There's two of the three things that terrify me. That classifies them as my nemesis by definition. The reports say that they approach a home or vehicle or other uh, structure you might be in at night and give it a knock. 
when the door is answered. They try to gain access to the home by telling the homeowner that they need to use the phone to call their parents or to use the bathroom or to, oddly enough, read a book. When the homeowner begins to question them about their situation, the children will just continue to state that they need to come in over and over. Those reports that have stated that the homeowner refused and told them no before closing the front door have stated that the children had stayed by the door for up to an hour before leaving. Who knows what would have happened if the homeowners would have let them in. And since we don't exactly know what they are, their motive remains to be seen. Now, before we dive into what these black-eyed children could possibly be, we're going to dive into some experiences that have been reported. Now, here's the story, the first one. It comes from a Reddit user named Sarah Beth 11 Let's see how her story went. And as always, a link to the article will be available in the show description. Here is Sarah Beth's post. This is so funny. I'd never heard of black-eyed kids before my incident, so I come on here to post my story, and the first story I see is about black-eyed kids. Weird. Let me preface this by saying I'm by no means a writer, just a domestic engineer, in quotations, living in North Texas. Also, I don't believe in the paranormal. Ghosts, demons, aliens, whatever. However, I did have an event happen to me this past Halloween. I have to admit, left me scratching my head. This is my first post on Reddit, and sorry to say, I never even heard about it until yesterday. I told my best friend about my incident, and she's an avid reader of No Sleep, and she told me if I didn't post it, she would, so here I am. Anyway, I hope you all enjoy it. So it had been a slow trick-or-treat night in our neighborhood that evening, which is pretty odd in itself. We usually have kids from different areas dropped off in our neighborhood and have a constant parade at our door. That night, I'd say we'd had no more than eight or ten groups of kids come by the entire night. It was about 9.30 p.m., and my husband and I were sitting in our family room watching some of those ghost shows based on supposedly actual events. Like I said, I don't believe in that stuff, but I do like a good ghost story. And it was Halloween. We hadn't had any activity at the door in over half an hour, and it was getting late, so we decided to turn the porch light off and let our dog Chloe out of her crate. Chloe is an American bulldog and is very docile. We only put her in her crate because we were afraid she'd try to get out to play with all the kids and I didn't want to have to chase her down the street. Also, we didn't want her to scare any of the kids because she would look a little intimidating to the younger kids. So, I turned the outside light off, let Chloe out, and she followed me back to the couch and lay down at my feet. It was getting close to 10 p.m. when my husband decided he'd had enough fun for the night and he was going to go upstairs, take a shower, and get ready for bed. After all, it was Thursday and he still had to get up early the next day. My teenage son was out with his friends at a local haunted house and wasn't expected back for another hour or so. 
So that left me alone on the couch with Chloe. Now, just because I don't believe doesn't mean those shows don't freak me out a bit. And being alone now watching, I'd have to say was kind. I was already kind of on edge as it was. It wasn't long after I heard the upstairs water for the shower turn on when there came a light knock, knock, knock at the front door. My initial reaction was, what the hell, really? It's almost 10 o'clock. Go home. But soon an uneasy feeling came over me. Why the knock? Our door, our doorbell glows in the dark, and without the porch light, it would be extra obvious to anyone there. I paused. I couldn't really just ignore it. Our front door has a big beveled glass panel, and anyone right at the door could see in enough to see someone was in the family room watching TV. It would be pretty rude of me to just sit there and not answer it. Knock, 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 again from the door. I glanced down at Chloe and she was gone. My gaze followed her usual path to the front door, expecting her to be on the way there as she normally does. Nothing, she wasn't there. I stood up to look around the room better and I found her, crouching by the back door like she was wanting out. However, she never asks to go out like that. She always comes and licks my hand or puts her head on my knee. This was totally out of character for her, and I have to say it heightened my anxiety. Chloe, crate, I said. She just turned back to look at me like, hell no lady, I ain't moving. I yelled up to my husband, but if he was already in the shower, I knew that there was no chance of him hearing me. Knock, knock knock. About that time a car drove down our street and cast just enough light on the door to where I could see the silhouettes of two small children through the glass. I instantly felt relief. It was just some kids, probably a couple of my neighbors on their way back home and wanted to stop by and show me their costumes or something. I headed to the door and looked back to make sure Chloe wasn't going to follow. What a great watchdog, I thought to myself, as if that she just sat there. I turned on the porch light when I got to the door, and sure enough, I could see through the glass that it was a couple of pretty small kids. A little late for such young ones, I thought, and I began to wonder about what kind of parents would let their kids run the streets that late at night. I only opened the door enough to where I could block Chloe's escape if she decided to grow some balls, which was only about two feet. What struck me immediately as odd was the kids weren't wearing any costumes. They were in normal street clothes. Also, no customary trick-or-treat either. I began to feel very uneasy again. It was a girl and a boy. The girl to my left was older. I'd say about 11 or 12. I could tell she was blonde, but I couldn't make out any any distinct features as our lights are from high above on the columns on the front porch so most of the light was coming from behind them. I had not opened the door wide enough for any light from inside to hit them directly. The boy was younger and about a foot shorter, I'd say eight or nine, and I looked and he seemed to have light brown hair. The girl very politely spoke up, ma'am. 
can we please come inside and use your phone to call our mom? As she spoke, something in the pit of my stomach was telling me something was wrong. What kid, even at that age, doesn't have a cell phone of their own these days? I couldn't remember the last time I had anybody asked to use my phone. Um, hon, don't you have a phone of your own you can call your mom on? I asked. This was where things got weird. Both kids turned to look at one another like they were going to say something to each other, but neither ever spoke. They both turned back to me and the girl said, Ma'am, my cell phone battery doesn't have any charge left in it. Can we please come inside and call our mother? We're alone out here and my brother is scared. I have to admit, there were two competing feelings going on inside me. The first, that of a mother's heart that wanted to keep these two small children and help them get their mom. The other, a sinking fear in my gut that was keeping the other feeling at bay. It was then I noticed that during the short conversation, I'd already opened the door another few extra inches, which I was completely unaware of doing. So I stopped. Honey, why don't you give me your mother's number and I can call her myself? Another pause, and they again looked at one another. After a short moment, they turned back to me and the girl said, Ma'am, my little brother has to use your bathroom. Can we please come inside while you call our mom? And with that last statement, the little girl moved closer to the door like she was just going to walk on in by me. As she did, she stepped into the light coming from inside the house, and I got my first real good look at her. Solid, jet black eyes. That's all I could see. The motherly instinct, gone, and replaced by terror. I don't think I've ever felt that much terror in my life. I could feel every hair on my arms and the back of my neck standing at attention. I closed the door to where just my face was able to stick out. The little girl stopped and again pleaded, please ma'am, we're really scared and alone out here. We have to come inside. Please help us. Then like on cue, both kids began to whimper and cry at the same time. That's when the fear took over and I shut and locked the door. I'll call your mom if you give me the number, I shouted through the door. But I'm not letting you in my house. I could still see them standing there on the porch, just staring at me through the beveled glass pane. Part of me wanted to run upstairs to my husband, but the bigger part didn't want to lose track of where they were. That would have freaked me out even more to not know And after what seemed like forever, probably only a few seconds, I decided I'd call my neighbor that lives across the street. As I made my way to the side table by our couch to my phone, I glanced back at the door. Chloe was nowhere to be found. We later found her in the guest room under the bed. When I got to my phone and started to look for his contact info, it was only then the kid stepped away from the door and began to walk down the street. As they did, I walked to the door to get a better look to see where they went. Still not calling my neighbor. If you get close enough to the glass, you can see out enough to make out the you know, people's shapes, but you can't see much detail. 
Of course, standing that close to the door would make you, make you pretty obvious to anyone outside looking in. From the door, I could see that the kids were still standing under the street lamp nearest my house, staring at me. As I lifted the phone to my ear after calling, only then the kids start walking down the street. I met my neighbor out under the lamp once he was out there, but the kids were nowhere to be seen. Now, like I said, I don't believe in any of this stuff and had never heard about black-eyed kids before talking to my friend. What I really think, what I have to think, is these kids were just out yanking people's chains on Halloween night. But I will say this for them, they were good. <laughs> really good. They scared the shit out of me and my dog. Now as I look over this story, of all nights to have an experience with black-eyed children, it would have to be Halloween night. Now this story leads me down two possible trains of thought. The first being, obviously, that these were kids pulling a Halloween prank on her. The other thought is that the evil thing that are these black-eyed children is showing an intelligence and in stalking us as its victims by portraying creepy children on Halloween night when creepy kids are expected to knock on your door and we're expected to answer. Now let's move on to our next experience. This one comes from a Marine. So if it's enough to freak a Marine out, I say there's some good validity to it. So here is the next story. I'm a Marine stationed at Camp Lejeune, North Carolina. I live in the infantry barracks off of River Road. I recently had a rather strange encounter with a pair of black-eyed kids. Now I live on the third floor of the barracks that have open walkways on the outside and the rooms on the inside. This happened on a weekend back in November of 2009. It was a weekend, so almost every Marine was out either home drinking or sleeping. Only a handful were left in the barracks awake. I stayed in that weekend because I was broke and had no money to go out. I was watching a movie when I heard a knock at my door. Figuring it was my roommate who'd lost his key again, I went and opened it. Instead of a drunken roommate, I found two little kids standing on the walkway. Only these kids freaked the hell out of me. I don't know what it was about them, but as a Marine, we're always told to listen to that little voice in your head because it just might save your life from things eh, like an improvised explosive device. Right then, that voice was screaming at me, shut the door and lock it. Now there was also the fact that these kids had absolutely pitch black eyes. I mean, no white, any other color to them whatsoever. Just black. But I pushed those things aside and asked them what they were doing there so late. They responded by saying that it was really cold out and they wanted to come in and read. <laughs> I was confused as hell because I'd never met a kid that wants to read. Also there were there was no mention of any parents or anything else you'd expect a lost couple of kids to say. I couldn't take my eyes off their pitch black eyes. It, it was 
was like they were sucking me in. I felt horrible and was suddenly frightened for my life like I immediately needed to take cover. They just stared at me with those damn eyes. I took a quick look up and down the walkway to see if any of the Marines were out, but there was no one in sight. I turned back to the kids who I noticed had taken a step forward toward me. I got the feeling like I was being hunted, like these kids were predators and out for their next meal or something. Instinct gave way to reason and I decided to listen to that voice and shut the door and lock it. I heard soft, constant knocking for the next five minutes before I heard my window rattle and then nothing. I went down to the officer on duty the next morning and asked him about it and he said he hadn't heard or, or seen any kids in the area at all and dismissed it saying that I'd probably had too much to drink. Only I hadn't been drinking at all or anything like that. I don't know what or who those kids were but I doubt any other families here would let their kids wander around at night on a military base. That experience was rather short, but coming from a Marine and knowing that his instincts, his trained instincts, told him that something was wrong. So, when we return, we'll listen to our final story and then jump into the theories about what these creatures or these black-eyed children could be stay with us hi there nerdlings i'm ash and i'm nat we're the host of primetime nerds a podcast that focuses on lesser-known investigations unsolved cases serial killers and small town crimes join us as we pick up our flashlights and begin our search for answers as we venture down those dark true crime paths together. Join us every Sunday as we explore the nature of these often heinous and heartbreaking cases. You can find us wherever you listen to podcasts. You can visit our website at crimetimenerds.com or follow our social media platforms. Don't forget to trust your gut, and we hope you join us each and every week. Welcome back, my little spooklings. Now, our final story is that of Brian Bethel. His account, which we mentioned earlier. On a spring or summer evening in 1996, Bethel was making his way to his internet service provider, Camelot Communications office, on North First Street in Abilene, Texas, to pay off his bills. As he innocently scribbled on a check in the dimly lit area, before the theater, intending to drop it in the office's drop slot. Little did he know that this was to be one of the most frightening nights of his life. He was sitting in his car in the parking lot when he looked up and looked over and noticed two boys around the age of nine and 12 approaching his vehicle. They knocked on his window. The boys, as he described them, were a somewhat suave, olive-skinned, curly-haired young man and a red-headed, pale-skinned, freckled young man, and these boys were wearing hooded pullovers. He thought this was kind of weird. All the while, 
as the conversation ensued, Bethel was consumed by an irrational fear. The boys tried to convince him with assurances like, it wouldn't take long. They were just two little kids. They didn't have a gun or anything. But Bethel subconsciously reached out to open his car door when he suddenly broke his vision of the boy and came to notice that the boys had coal black eyes. Eyes he described as the sort of eyes one sees these days on aliens or bargain basement vampires on late night television. Soulless orbs like two great swaths of starless night. Bethel, trying to keep his behavior normal, muttered a few excuses to them, pulled at the gear and rushed away with his car. As he stared in the rearview mirror, he found that the children just vanished within seconds. Now Bethel's incidents had allegedly taken place from 9.30 p.m. to 10 p.m. that night, an incident he could never forget. Bethel began sending private emails to a trusted few about his experiences. Soon, his stories spread like wildfire on the internet. Thus, the personal experience of this famed journal was soon shared by thousands of others. Some legit, some fake, but enough for the black-eyed kids to be regarded as a modern paranormal phenomenon. Now, let's go into the theory surrounding these kids. Okay, so they are always seeking to gain entrance to either your home, vehicle, or some other structure you're occupying. To me, this goes right along with vampire lore. Traditionally, according to vampire lore, a vampire cannot come in unless you invite it. And if you do, you are rendered powerless against it. I mean, that's just what the world needs for vampire kids running around. It's also noted that these experiences always happen at night, away from sunlight. Another theory is that they are extraterrestrials trying to gain access to your home for God knows what. I mean, we all know the theories, the theories of human hybrids with films like Village of the Damned, Invasion of the Body Snatchers, and even uh, John Carpenter's The Thing. However, the most widely accepted theory are that these Kids are just that. Kids. With eye color altering lenses trying to scare the hell out of people. As unparanormal as that sounds, it's still a valid theory. The fact that we haven't been able to rule out that theory says that we can't officially label it as paranormal or supernatural. However, the stories we shared on this episode do have some supernatural elements to them I guess and whether you believe in this type of thing or not you can't deny that it gives the best advice don't open your door for kids in the middle of the night because I can assure you they aren't trying to sell you thin mints or tagalongs at 3 o'clock in the morning well that's all the time we have for this episode I think you all so much for listening remember to visit the show website at throughtheveilpodcast.com for more information on today's episode you can find that information by going to the latest episode page if you like what you hear and want to show your support financially you can click the link to the support the show in this episode description 
You can also see other ways to support the show on the website. Of course, the absolute best support you can give is listening to the show every Tuesday, giving it a five-star review and telling all your friends that like to have their spooky bones tickled about the show. You can also reach out to me by emailing me at jd at throughtheveilpodcast.com. If you have any true spooky stories of your own, send them on over to me and let me tell your story. Once again, I'm JD. Stay safe, stay healthy, and keep an open mind.